0: Hey, let's go. Here we go. Hey, let's go. Come on, have yourself somewhere else. This is why breweries were invented, pool halls, drive-in theaters. If you want to have fun, go there. We're not having any fun here. Go to a microbrewery. Go with, go with the luminous Peter Leddick. A round of applause for Peter, I think. Nice to see Peter back. Oh, Jean's here. Gene Ledick. Yes, okay. Yes, Gene, that's good. And their lovely son, Luther. So Peter is kind of, Peter's kind of a big deal. The only bigger deal there is Gene, who keeps it all together. Peter's on his last legs. Peter is, I think it's fair to say, just phoning it in at this point, right? Uh, last ten years allowed, right? <laughs> yeah, right. No, Peter, as you know, has been a great pastor in, out in California and is uh, nearing retirement, so that's, that's good, uh, He's got uh, new folks coming out to take care of him, and they're just here to visit their lovely son, Luther, and uh, that's very, very nice, too. So anyway, welcome. Now, Peter will be taking a trip to Israel, leaving April 18th next year, and he's on commission. So, I mean, if you want to go to Israel with Peter next year, now there'll be some other people like, you know, Arthur Just, but we know kind of what's going on there. And then uh, you know maybe some other people like Joe Holm he's he's going and I'm going, but bigger deal than that is all the wives are going, so it's going to be like that old show you remember Queen for a Day? You watch that you'd watch that growing up Queen for a Day? Yeah, it's going to be like that. Kirby, Jean, you know Kristen they're all going to be there, so uh, you know we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I guarantee you, there'll be a cool bus. There'll be a cool kid's bus, just like there was in, in Croatia and in Istanbul. There'll be a cool kid's bus. There'll be fun had. Uh, you know, one of the hard things for Kirby is she parents. You know, Kit was in the far back of the bus with a couple of, you know, some of the other miscreants. And, you know, yeah, they Miguel, just not Miguel. Miguel, he's a miscreant. I think that's, that explains itself. And Mary was back there, too. Now, they had snuck beers aboard, even though it was like 10 a.m., and Kirby went back to be part of the party, and then what happened? <laughs> no, Mom. What did what did he say? He say? no. No. <laughs> he goes, I can't do you this early in the morning. Not this early in the morning. So that can happen. So anyway, good to see y'all. Let's pray and then we'll try to do a little, we'll try to do some good, okay? Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy upon us sinners. Amen. Amen. So the schedule's going to get a little bit lumpy here over the next few weeks for a range of reasons. As you know, there's a a, uh, voters meeting at 10 a.m. And it's in the sanctuary. The reason it's in the sanctuary is just. Uh, you know, the very first thing I say to Vickers, You don't get out of trouble; you stay out of trouble. So, I don't know if you know, ten people will show up or 210 people will show up. So, it'll be in the sanctuary just to make sure that there's enough room. It's the normal, second normal voters' meeting according to the constitution. Consider this your official warning slash announcements. And of course, you know, the nominating committee is bringing Pastor Nelson's name forward to be the next senior pastor. So, you should come. And you should hear what they have to say, and you, you should listen about how they have worked over the last year, and uh, they'll explain to you what they've done and why they've done it. So if you can come now, a uh, couple of things. A lot of new members here. Uh, unless you got, you know, the dunk, if you, unless you were baptized. If you're baptized, you know, it's like, here's a good story. I got, because my mind goes everywhere. Miguel told me, this is a true story. Miguel told me that in Portugal during the pandemic, if you get... COVID and they take you to the EAR and you're really bad they grant you citizenship on the spot so that you can go into the National Health Care Service and then they the hospitals don't go broke from big bills Man, I'm thinking about going to Portugal and licking doorknobs until this thing works for me because I would EU citizenship I could go to Croatia anytime I wanted I could go like a native think about it, right? So, uh, you know, that's what it's like. You get baptized. If you're baptized, you're automatically a member. So John Crow, we've had the couple of baptisms we had. I wanted to leave you a message about this, but I'll say it out loud. We need to make sure that those adults who've been baptized over the past few months are on the list. You're going to go to the table. You're going to check that you're an active member because only active members can vote. Anybody can come. You can't speak. You can come listen. Uh, You're going to check and get a ballot and then go inside and then see what happens, okay? So... Uh, I just want to kind of get that to you. Now, what else? Pete's here. Jean is more important. I did that. Kirby's here. She's more important than me. I did that. Um, voters meeting. Anything else I should talk about? Otherwise, we should talk about Lent. i turned turn my back to you. See, that's the thing, man. Never turn your back to people. Right? Yes, Carol. I was just informed that there is a visitation at 1 o'clock from Ted Kahn. Thank you so very, very much for saying that. Yes, it's a very, very busy morning here. We've got normal liturgy, and then we have a bat- private baptism, so we're going to shoo you out after the last service. Then we have a visitation at 1 o'clock, and we have a memorial service for Ted Khan at 2, to which you're all invited, if you'd like. Uh, I haven't seen Sandy yet, but I'm sure she'll appear at the appropriate moment. So we're... There's a lot going on here, but that's what makes St. John fun. There's a lot going on here. So yeah, in this room there will be, and thank you, thank you very much uh, for saying that. So there is, I believe in this room, there'll be some time to, you know, meet old friends and new friends. Uh, Of course, you know, Ted's a dear guy. He was an elder here and uh, he dies far too young and, uh, but he's having a good day. So thank you for mentioning that Carol. Anything else? All right, your Lent. I'm just, uh, I, you know, first I was going to have you, like, raise your hands or tell me stories, but then I thought, ah, you know, that's probably not best. So just kind of think about your Lent. So here's my question. Tell me, how's your fasting going? Right? So here's what I suspect. Here's what I suspect. Uh, you know, some of you have probably bit off more than you can chew. So you got excited about it and you tried to do something that was maybe a little too much. And that could have then involved some measure of failure, even though it's only lent two, right? So we're 10 days in uh, of the 40. We're 10 days in and, you know, that's felt like a bit much. All I can say to you is, of course. This is how the Christian life works. You try to fast and it doesn't work, and so you have a couple of options. You can either feel guilty and ashamed and a failure, and I'll never do this again because it's too painful, or you can say, huh. So that's what Jesus was on about in the wilderness. Or, hmm, that's what the Day of Atonement felt like when everybody in Israel fasted for 24 hours. Or, huh. This is what it was like when Jonah went to Nineveh and even the animals fasted, right? So I want to encourage you then, if it's been difficult for you or if you, um, if you failed, if you, if you tried to do too much, adjust. If you tried to do too much, and this is the first time you've done it, ratchet back. So reestablish whatever it is that you can do. So if you tried to do three things, you know, You're going to give up ice cream and cigarettes and liquor and Netflix? You know, pick two of those and carry on, right? So, you know, people get enthusiastic. Okay, so, you know what, just like reestablish yourself. And then remember, of course, what the point of the fasting is. The point of the fasting is to direct your gaze to Christ on the cross. And... It's not the fasting so much itself as it is the discomfort when you succeed or fail. There's discomfort in both ways. Right? You, if you succeed, it's uncomfortable, and if you fail, it's uncomfortable. The point is for you to be uncomfortable once in a while. And when you are uncomfortable, your thoughts immediately go to the triduum, the great three days. Jesus sweating blood in the garden, Jesus nailed to the cross, Jesus being put into the darkness and sealed up. Kind of, what is this like? So I want to encourage you toward this. What I don't want you to do is give up. What I do want you to do is redirect. What I don't want you to do is say, this is stupid, I don't know why I ever tried it. What I do want you to do is say, I've learned something about myself. In some way, and if you can hear this in the right way, fasting is penance in advance. So, you know, Lutherans, they get hives immediately when you say penance, and so we lose this thing that's so helpful to us. You know, the the, the problem we had with penance was you went to confession, and the priest said, um, if you do some good things, then you'll be forgiven. That's what the Reformation was fought over, a single issue, whether you do it or whether God does it. That's a single issue. There'd have been no Reformation if there wasn't for that. You should still think to yourself that the self-discipline, the self-awareness, the self-confession, that is brought forward in private absolution and then penance, and I'm going to explain it to you in this way, is very valuable. So what should happen if you go to confession? And by the way, I'm the guy this week. So if you want a really light punishment, I'm your man. <laughs> I'm too old to fight with you. Man, I, I can't keep track. If I give you something really hard, I can't keep track. Of you. It's, too, it's too, you know, I'm a 10-hour father guy, and let's get out of here. They got pizza upstairs. Yeah, you're, you've been a hard crowd all Lent, I'm just saying. You used to be so much fun. This is what should happen. You confess, you're forgiven, and then the pastor would say to you, A little bump and a nudge here or there would do you some good. Why don't you try? That's how pastoral care works. That's how spiritual direction works in its best form. That's how penance works. In a way, your fasting is you've jumped ahead and experienced the discomfort in advance, right? You didn't have the discomfort of kneeling down and confessing your sins to a pastor. You didn't have the discomfort of doing something really stupid you take your discomfort up front and you say because I'm fasting from this or that I'm uncomfortable and that reminds me how tragic sin is and that reminds me then not to sin and that reminds me to keep the great fast and that reminds me to act like a Christian it reminds me what God has done for me Right? you see how valuable this is and you see how stupid it is when Lutherans just kind of reject it out of hand because Catholics do it. That's dumb, as you know. D U M. Okay, so uh, I just sort of give you that. If you have failed in some way, that's why we had the Eucharist this morning, right? So let's go. Just questions about any of that? I don't want to get too. I don't want to get. I don't want to give individual care in a group. But you know, if you have a bigger question about any of that. Alright, otherwise, let's just go. You know I've been trying to get through this outline for two weeks. I haven't done very well, but uh, we will see what happens today. It should be just, this is like falling off a log for you, right? Uh, You know, I give you the title, Discipline is Freedom, is Order, is Life, is Lent. Almost every time I preach at the seminary, I preach this sermon, and almost every time I preach at the seminary, it makes a few folks crazy. Because they can't, understeer, they, can't uh, they can't hear discipline in a gospel sense. They can't hear fasting in a gospel sense. They can't hear obedience in a gospel sense. The core of Jesus being is obedience. He couldn't be happier than to do what his heavenly Father. Ask him to do. He sweats blood. He says, isn't there another way? And then he says, but you win. Come what may I'm in your hands. Right? Same temptation, you know. Now you heard a week ago, Lent 1, you heard the temptation uh, of the devil to power and glory. From Peter, you heard the temptation to power and glory. Get thee behind me, Satan. You will hear again, On Good Friday, the temptation to power and glory, right? The same temptation, always come to Jesus. You saved others. Can't you save yourself? If you're the Messiah, come down from the cross, right? All right. Obedience is love, is freedom. Here we go. So divine freedom is this gift of knowledge, discipline, obedience, and action. Christ sets us free. One of the great verses in Scripture, Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Not for nothing, for freedom, for busyness, for the right thing. For freedom Christ has set us free. Not to do anything and not to do nothing. Right? Licentiousness, I can do anything I want now. Or nothing, I can sit on my hands as if being a Christian just meant joining a club. Jesus didn't know anything about that. If you want to read about that, you should go to Revelation right at the point in the beginning where he says to these churches, you're neither hot nor cold, I spit you out of my mouth. Now do some good, another great verse. Galatians 6.10 ends by saying, do good. You say that to Lutherans and sometimes they get hives. Because they can't distinguish law and gospel. They can't distinguish justification and sanctification. Justification, means um, that you are, uh, you've been made good, right? Sanctification is you do good. Justification is being forgiven. Um, sanctification is acting forgiven. Do some good. This is what it means to grow up, right? Move past the, every vicar we ever get. The first ten times you ask him a question, he says, justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. We're like, where's the charcoal for the incense? Justification by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I'm like, calm down, son. (laughs) That's true. It's not just the only thing. So do some good and then do some more. Galatians 4.1, get better and better at it. Let's grow up, man, milk to meat. Let's go, right? right. And make your entire life then a living sacrifice to our God. Right? Which boils down to loving everybody all the time. You heard that in the Great Commission. Go teach everything to everybody. So this is real, eternal, Christological best life. It is living in the image of Christ. We got dangerously close to that in the epistle today. Imitate us, he says in the epistle for today, which of course also runs with Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Now, and I, you know, hopefully you can translate everything I said about absolution, everything I said about penance. Think about it this way. This divine gift of freedom emphasizes God's grace. So grace is God's attitude toward you. His attitude or predisposition or nature, you can talk about it any way you want. It was in the sermon this morning. God creates from love, the very first line of the sermon. So God's heart, his his attitude toward you is always love. I love you. God is love. I love you. God is love. God's heart is love. So, um, and that... Orders our lives, right? I love you. Come, do what I say and live. That's the best. Uh, that's the best. Best news ever, right? So discipline brings order against the devil, scattering against the devil's chaos. And you remember, ten weeks ago, we talked about the Greek word diablos means scatterer. And, of course, you can see this everywhere. What the devil tries to do is get people to divide from each other. Look around the world right now, right? You know, countries don't like each other, so they go to war. Um, Races don't like each other, so they go to war. Uh, Different um, levels of society don't like each other, so they go to war. It's everywhere. It's the devil's work. And the hardest thing is when we call that natural. Now, to rebel against that... The church has these classic disciplines. We live in space and time. So four things order time. Say your prayers. For example, morning and evening, say your prayers. Prayer orders the day. Sabbath orders the week. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Once a week, the Lord meets you here and gives you his gifts. By next Saturday, you'll be so broken that you'll need to come back. If you don't feel so broken that you need to come back, you're lying to yourself. But then self-deception is our greatest natural attribute. Prayer orders the day. Sabbath orders the week. Feasts order the year. So we're in the feast time of Lent. This gives order to our year. Advent we expect. Christmas is the joy of expectation met. Epiphany is the Telling of the joy that we have. Lent is the confession that we screwed up the joy again. Easter is the news that God still loves us despite us. And then the common time, the green growing season of the church, where we do better, do more, and more, right? And a pilgrimage order, orders life. Go to Rome. Go to Jerusalem, right? I don't know if you know this. Things I can tell you now that I used to. Do you know when I came here, I pitched um, a thing called traveling confirmation because I made this mistake. I thought all of you were rich. And more than that, I thought you would give me unlimited piles of money. Okay, I've been wrong before, but this is what I propose, traveling confirmation, that we would take all the kids uh, in 8th grade uh, to Wittenberg. And then in ninth grade, we would take all the kids to Rome. And then in 10th grade, we would take all the kids to Jerusalem. And when they were seniors, we would go to Cappadocia. (laughs) Here's the thing. You laugh now, my career's over. Your chance is gone. But if you'd have done this, we would have kept every confirmation, kid, since I came here for 25 years. And by the way, there's no way that you can test this. Because <laughs> a pilgrimage orders your life. You've all had this experience where you've gone, that changed me. Right? Right? Then there are three classic disciplines to order space. Fasting orders the body, and so you now, if you've if you've chosen a fast for, and I hope you have, right? We're past the point of feeling guilty about this or thinking it's stupid or whatever. (laughs) Choose a fast, even if you didn't choose one, choose one now, right? I'll help you if you need some help. Um, You know, I'll help you. But fasting orders the body. So you discipline your body and subdue it, as Paul says. Tithing orders your work. So you know what? You live to learn. Most of you, this is for most of you. So I just thought, you know, I'm going to probably talk about this maybe if Lent works out. But for most of you, the number is 10. For some of you, the number is 30. For some of you, the number is minus 3, which we should be giving you money. Because it is a disgrace that there are poor people in your congregation people don't have enough enough to eat and a place to live right but you can only do that if most people give around 10% and some people give 20 or 30% and some people are willing to take money from the church and nobody kind of knows what's going on but it all works together you can run your church another way it'll look like every other church in the world which frankly is called bankruptcy in civil life otherwise you can say We'll all do this because, you know, when Jesus was picking numbers, he picked 10. When the Missouri picks numbers, it's 2.7. And so everything in the Missouri Senate runs like a bankruptcy. Maybe we should. Have, this isn't a law or gospel statement. This is just practicality. Sometimes I say this little thing, and then pastors get all like hoo ha about the law and the gospel, and I'm free. You're free. Refer to page one. You're free to be flip and obedient. That's what you're free for. Right? You're free to love God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. And by the way, where your treasure is there, your heart is also okay there. Enough on money for today, but uh, tend your giving. And the Eucharist orders community. Right? Why are you one community? As First Corinthians 10 says, because Jesus took his body and he put it into each one of us. And now we're the body of Christ. Right? That's why we're the body. We're not the body because we have voters meetings. We're not the body because we're part of the Missouri Synod. We're the body because the Eucharist puts the body into me. And so I look at you and I say, the most significant thing about you is you have the same name. We share the same name from baptism. We share the same body from the Eucharist. So you have to treat everybody in here as Jesus. His name and his body. That's what makes the community. Now, you don't have to do these. You know, you don't have to do these, but then you can have you know a loser church that doesn't look any different than I don't know Costco's members club. You know, I, you, any you know. Here's the thing: if you do this, your life can be fantastic. If you don't, your life's not fantastic. I have set before you life and death. Uh, choose life. Right? The, you know, the problem isn't that Jesus hasn't done his side. The problem is that we sort of. Sit in judgment of Jesus and tell him we might have a better idea. You shouldn't do that. And just for fun, you should notice that 3 plus 4 is 7, which is the holy number of perfection, right? And with all of that, then we come to our own transfiguration. You remember we did this a few weeks ago. Metamorphuo, the word for the transfiguration, or mighty morph and power rangers. You pick. It's the same word. (laughs) But you know, Romans 12:2 says, "This is your transfiguration. You are a living sacrifice because you 've been transfigured. Jesus is our Pas- Paschal feast, our sacrifice because he 's been transfigured. Jesus gets transfigured. You get transfigured. Jesus says, "Follow me, live like Jesus. let 's go." So Lent is this ritual opportunity. We 're all in it together. We 're going to take a pause for 40 days. We're going to say, we haven't done a very good job with this, and we're going to say, we need to get better. We're even going to say, if we're doing a really good job with this, we're going to get better. Because why? The Lord has need of it. That's how Lent ends, right? So Lent is this rhythmic, institutionalized, liturgical, collective, Christological possibility to be one, strange, beautiful, and glorious, right? And it lives at the intersection of our bodies and our spirits. So both need to be disciplined. And we're only free when we're master of our body. We're only free when we're master of our spirit. You know, otherwise we're the slave. That's how, that's how it talks. Now lest you think I'm making this up as I go along. Uh, here it is in the Old Testament and then we'll look at it in the New Testament. Okay, Joel 2. The reading you heard on Ash Wednesday. Even now, declares the Lord, I am still patient. Even now, declares the Lord, I still love you. Even now, after you've been idiots for a good long time. Even now, after you rebel against me. Even now, when I say do A and you do B. Even now, return to me with all your heart. With fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments, which is to say thorough, right? Because if you rend your heart, your garment gets rent, too. But if you rend your garment and not your heart, you're just showing off. Return to the Lord your God, for he is, here you go, gracious. That's his attitude towards you. So he always looks at you and considers you beloved. You might turn your back. You might swear at him. You might act like a little kid. You might be completely undisciplined. You might lie about him and say he doesn't love you. His attitude, his disposition, his nature, God is love, is. He's gracious, that's his attitude. And merciful, that's when his love is applied to your misery. Practical theology. So graciousness is his attitude and mercy is his action. He's gracious, and he's merciful to you, slow to anger, unlike us, slow to anger, and quick to love. Slow to anger, quick to love. That's God. We're the opposite. Quick to love. Any shiny object in front of us, right? You know? And, uh, uh, you know, or slow to love the right things. And... um, Quick to be angry, and he relents over disaster, right? And all you need to do is think about the last few years. I mean, you would think we couldn't. I mean, who'd have thought we'd step out of COVID into World War Three? Who'd have thought, right? So I'm not. I'm not giving you a media party line. I'm just sort of, you know, I, who knows where this is going to go? I don't know where it's going to go. But when somebody plays the nuclear weapon card one week into a crisis, you're kind of going, right? Um, I think it's okay to say. Um, Yeah. One of our pastors preached against, a Russian pastor preached against the war in Russia. And then he wrote me yesterday and said, I don't know who it was, but they came to my door and they pounded on the door. Now the most interesting thing to me was, just like Bishop Vana, Archbishop Vana, so you remember he said, when they were at the door, I didn't open it. So one of our pastors preached against the war and posted it. The next day, people are at his door, pounding on the door. He said, I don't know if they're FSB, I don't know if they're KGB, I don't know if they're police. All I know is they were in civilian clothes, and through the door they said, if you preach against the war, this will be the end of you and your family. Right? Those are our guys. Those are the guys we're supporting. Right? You kind of go, huh. The last few years have been a disaster. And yet, um, our Lord will relent. And he will stick with us. And he'll give us his words that do what they say. And so we need to keep going. You know, one of the most interesting things at St. John is, and you know, this is natural in your own life. This I've talked to you often about how your own life kind of goes in sine waves. You have this beautiful, you know, everything is going your way. And Jesus loves you. And you come to church and then... Everything stinks, and you're like, Jesus hates me, and I'm never going to church again. And I've talked to you about how the church mothers and the church fathers talk about maturity as being able to see that coming. So when they're on a high, they never get too high. And when they're on a low, they say, This is going to pass. Athanasius, on his fourth exile, writes to his supporters and says, It's a little cloud. It will pass. We have no sense of that kind of toughness. We don't know what it is to go to church and then have, you know, the KGB at your door the next day saying, don't do that again. We have no sense of that. So have the last few years been tough? Yes. Have we been tough? Not so much. Right? We learned a lot about ourselves. And whatever pause there is, we should get better. Do good. Do more good. Be living sacrifice. Be transfigured. Right? You got a little pause here, a little break in the action. Use it well. It's Lent. Lent is a time to get tough, to discipline your body and subdue it, to fast, to pray, to tithe, to go to church, to get to the Eucharist. Right? Push the chaos out of your life in time and in space. All the tools are here. The Lord is gracious and merciful. It's right here. Let's go. You might be tired. You could be more tired. You might be sick. You could be way more sick. right? You might be frustrated. You haven't begun to feel frustration compared to what our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world feel. Let's go. We're the lucky ones. We're the ones who need to get busy. Right? I know it's difficult. Okay, get some sleep. Let's start thinking more clearly. Fast, and let's get to Easter and let's go. This is how the church works He does His work in us and through us so we can live in Eden. Point six. And maybe the Lord will bless that. So, you know, the complete Lutheran way to think about your fasting is you don't give to get, you just give. The Lord gives to you and you give back. Remember, we did this way back when I did the part just about fasting on its own. Fasting is a response to a sacred moment. What's the sacred moment? The feast of Lent, the great fast. And so we do our bit and maybe the Lord will respond. Who knows? Maybe he'll respond. But that's not the reason you're doing it. You're doing it because love and obedience and freedom are all the same word. That's the reason you're doing it. You're doing it because it's the right thing. And you do the right thing. And it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. It doesn't matter if you're the only one. Although it's lonely to be the only one. You do the right thing because it's the right thing. You imitate Christ even if nobody else is imitating Christ. Let's go. This is what it means to be a Christian. Who knows whether he will turn and relent? Who knows? Who knows if he'll leave a blessing behind him? Who knows? Maybe he responds, maybe he doesn't. If he responds, it's good for you. If he doesn't respond, it's good for you. Because his heart is merciful. I mean, his heart is gracious, that's his attitude. And his actions are merciful. He touches his love to your misery. So, Joel 2, let's go, point 7. Blow the trumpet in Zion, so everybody knows... Consecrate a fast. Check the calendar and say, it'll start on this Wednesday and it'll end on this Sunday. Call a solemn assembly. You know, and I've said this to you, and it's probably the way we'll end up Bible study for this year, but people have to come back to church. I mean, at this point, you're kind of like, uh, it's moved from a medical issue to a spiritual issue. You can't have church alone, virtually, in your jammies. You can, in an emergency, but by definition, emergencies end, and we are the body of Christ. We are the assembly, the ecclesia, the work of the Holy Spirit. Luther, what is the church? Any kid knows what the church is. An eight-year-old child knows. That the church is where God gathers his people and gives out his gifts. And there is no such thing as a virtual Lord's Supper or a virtual baptism. Let's go. Blow the trumpet, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people. We need each other. You come to church for me, I come to church for you. Don't forsake the assembly. Assemble the elders, gather the children. Even the nursing infants. Hey, you know what? And there's something more important right now than your wedding day. So, hey, sorry, but cancel the caterer and go get the bride and bring the groom because we're very, very busy. And then this, the Kyrie. So what happens in church every Sunday? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we're baptized. And then we kneel down and say, we are a bunch of damn sinners. You'd think we were better, but we couldn't last a week. And couldn't you be merciful to us for that? And then the Lord says, I still love you, and only then are we brave enough to bow and get closer to the altar where Jesus is going to come and sit down at the Eucharist, you'll know he's there because we'll ring the bell. And as we get close, we're going to kiss him good morning. Because you kiss your king's feet. And I told you what Bishop Bonnock said. I said, you know, just we're running through the liturgy. You know, he's got the big hat. So you're like, let's try to get this right. And then... Uh, I said, you know, we'll all kiss the altar together. He looked at me like this. He goes, and not genuflect? I thought, man, talking about, you know, coming to a black tie gala in your cut off cargo shorts. <laughs> but that's not as bad as Pete Ladick. Well, I mean, here's Pete Lake. Pete Ladick had a vicar once. And Pete, because he loves Jesus, he takes his vicar to the altar. I hope you don't mind. You're retired, and I can tell this story. He's, he's, he, Pete's retired, and so he's trying to give this. He's, he's dropping gold nuggets in front of this vicar, and he's not picking any of them up. And, you know, Pete explains to him about the Eucharist and the presence and Jesus and the vestments and the body on the cross. And the vicar, who was dumb enough to bring a cup of coffee into the sanctuary... Sets it down on the altar like it was kind of a nice coffee table that Pete had put there for him. Was it 40 lashes? What was it? Yeah. 39. 39, because you're a merciful man, that's right. You kind of go, man, how did you get two years through seminary? And nobody said to you, what would be better is everybody goes face down. Right? Between the vestibule and the altar, right? Between the outside and the inside, between the unholy and the holy, let the priests, the ministers, the pastors, the lay assistants weep and say, spare your people, O Lord. That's exactly what we say. You listen this morning. We will bow. We will tilt our faces down. At the very same time, we will say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Right? You wouldn't go to the altar without saying, Lord, have mercy. You wouldn't act like it was a nothing. And so you put your face down and you say, you know, spare your people. Don't, don't make your heritage a Approach That means keep your promises. Don't make us a byword among the nations. Just another empty denomination that never gets anything done anytime, That fights all the time. They can't shoot straight. Let's go. Why should they say among the peoples, where is their God? Why should they say among the peoples, where is their faith? Why should they say, why can't these people ever get anything done? Why should they say that about us? It doesn't have to be so. Lent is the big challenge that it doesn't have to be so. Lent is your chance to straighten out your kinks. Lent is your chance to get some discipline. Lent is your chance to be strange and beautiful and glorious again. Lent is a chance to social self-discipline. Lent is a time to reveal character and build character. Because in any crisis, both of those things happen. And so the congregation acts as one. We kneel together, we stand together, we sing together, we return, and that's fabulous. And people outside say, you're crazy. Sometimes they just say, you're wasting a good Sunday morning. And sometimes they say, preach that sermon again, and we'll be back to kill you and your family. That's just another way of saying you're crazy. Right? So people may find this strange, but you know what's stranger still? is if you don't do it. And one of the great things about the problems of the last couple of years is everybody's cards got on the table. All these people are going to save you. All these people are going to show you a different way. All these people with unlimited resources, all these people with tremendous amounts of power—how'd it go? How do you feel? Do you really think they loved you? Did what they tell you work? I, I'm not—just so you know, I'm not taking either Fox News or CNN side right there. I'm just telling you to use the diagnostic from the Jesus point of view. Are people saying? blow the trumpet, gather the folks, sit down in sackcloth and ashes, repent of your sins, get forgiven, turn your face back to the Lord, get the gifts and get busy. I think Christianity is turning out pretty well, to be honest with you. Everybody is so nervous about Christianity falling apart. It's just getting a good, thorough dry cleaning. Somebody is just shaking out the rug. And if we stay strong... There's worse things than being killed for preaching a sermon. right? Like stopping. And the most strange thing of all is that God finds His glory in us. We'll stop there. We'll come back to this next week. And I want to suggest to you that this is not just an Old Testament thing. This is a New Testament thing too. I want to encourage you in your fasting. I want to tell you to come to church. I want to encourage you to examine your giving. I want to tell you to do some good works. And I want you to do that Because Jesus gives you the power to do it. Not to earn anything. Justification is being forgiven. Sanctification is living forgiven. Right? All right, here we go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. All right, love you. See you soon. Keep going, keep going.